We're continuing on in this series of sustainable hope. And today we're looking at this word of thriving. And often, right, often thriving sounds really good, but sometimes often, especially right now, we may feel like we are just trying to survive. And when we think about surviving versus thriving, right, surviving, it's like, okay, I've got to have food, I've got to have water, I've got to have shelter, I need to be safe. That's all I can get done. That's all I can do. I've got to do the bare minimum. But when I say thriving, that's got some energy behind it, right? It's got some energy of like something amazing, something better. Like we are growing. We are changing in ways that we love. Like everything, we're like walking on cloud nine. It's this sense that when we're thriving, we have taken yet another step in life is good or like the cliche life is an oyster life is like an oyster it's just there it's there for the taking it's got something valuable in it and we have got it and so today when we're talking about this thriving we're going to be looking at it like, okay, how do I kind of understand that? How can I get a piece of that for my own life? What does it actually mean to thrive? Because so often we equate the term with everything is great. It's amazing. And now I can do and grow in exactly the way that I need to because the circumstances are right. But Paul's going to give us a little bit deeper kind of understanding. He's going to make us dig into it. And we're going to read out of the book of 2 Corinthians, which is really the fourth letter to Corinth. We actually think that 1 and 2 Corinthians are the second and fourth letters. And they're being written about the mid-50s. And Paul is writing to the, the people of Corinth, which is in the southern area of Greece. He is at the moment writing this from most likely the northern part of Greece, often called Macedonia at that time. And so he is writing... And he is always addressing with the Corinthians, he's addressing something that's happening, something that's kind of going on. He's trying to get them to navigate through some really difficult times. The port of Corinth is kind of an interesting place because it is a main shipping commerce from Rome all the way over to say like where we now understand Constantinople, today it's Istanbul, that region, Asia Minor, or what we know today as Turkey, and then Israel, Lebanon, all of that. Corinth becomes a major shipping point between those regions. And so they are people who are, they're struggling in numerous ways, on numerous levels of how to live and how, what, these teachings are Paul is giving to them is impacting and transforming their lives, their everyday lives, whether or not they're comfortable or not. And so as we begin to look through 2 Corinthians, we've also got a little bit of a psalm. And the psalm kind of builds upon what 2 Corinthians is trying to do. The psalm is the response to a life that is thriving, while 2 Corinthians is trying to give us the relationship between hope, thriving, 
and grace. 2 Corinthians is going to kind of challenge us in who we understand God is, who we understand Jesus is, and that those things help us to understand who we are as a community with thriving hope and grace. So let us begin. In 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 3 through 5. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. He is the compassionate Father and God of all comfort. He's the one who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort other people who are in every kind of trouble. That is because we receive so much comfort through Christ in the same way that we share so many of Christ's sufferings. Psalm 98.1, sing to the Lord a new song because he has done wonderful things. His own strong hand and his own holy arm have won the victory. So there's sense right here with 2 Corinthians, right? It's who is God and who is Jesus. He is the compassionate Father and God of all comfort. Who is Christ? We receive so much comfort through Christ in the same way that we share so many of Christ's sufferings. So it's that sense that God is compassionate, that God is a comforter, that Jesus also embodies all of that perfectly in suffering. That as Jesus has experienced the sufferings of this world, that he is fully God and fully human, but that fully human part, right, experiences pain and suffering that much of us in different ways experience. And yet... Christ is still compassionate and comforting. And so when we're thinking about who we are in that relation, it's not just that we receive comfort, not just that we understand that God is present and compassionate, but it also begins to be a mutual relationship, realizing that we ourselves are then able to be comforting and compassionate to others. That we also have this relationship that we recognize that there is pain in the world and that God didn't say, well, you know, it's okay for you guys, but not okay for Christ. In a sense, Christ had to experience everything that we that we humans experience so that the compassion, the mercy, the comfort is authentic. It comes from a real place. And to begin to think about that for ourselves, of how this compassion, this comfort begins to be at work in our lives, of moving us into relationship not just with Christ and God, but also in relationship to others. And so we're beginning to take that step towards how is God at work in our lives to bring us to a place that is thriving. Continuing on in 2 Corinthians 1, 6 through 7. So if we have trouble... It is to bring you comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is to bring you comfort from the experience of endurance. While you go through the same sufferings that we also suffer, our hope for you is certain. Because we know that as you are partners in suffering, so also you are partners in comfort. Psalm 98.3 God has remembered his loyal love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Every corner of the earth has seen our God's salvation. 
So for the psalmist, like Paul is really saying that, like we have seen, we have been comforted, we have received the compassion from God through Christ, through the life of Christ, and now we're going to share it with each other. That we recognize that all of us struggle, that all of us suffer in numerous ways. And instead of being judgmental and like, well, you're over there and we're over here. We got it better. I don't want part of yours. Instead, Paul is saying, no, no, no. Because we have that compassion and mercy, that comfort from God, because we have been given that indication, that example in Christ, we are now going to do it with one another. We are now going to be in community with one another. We are now going to be present with each other. And so in this moment, we begin to see that if we're thinking, all right, how are we going to thrive even when everything seems to be falling apart? Even when there is suffering in this world and we can't seem to stamp it out. We cannot totally eliminate the pain of this world. That if we're going to thrive in it, if we're going to thrive where we are, that it's going to take all of us. That we're going to have to be in solidarity with one another. That we're going to have to be thinking through, okay, wait a minute. I struggle, you struggle, you struggle. We all struggle. How can we support and encourage one another? How can we just stand and be in solidarity with one another? And so we're getting this piece of thriving. That thriving doesn't mean it's connected to context and events, but instead thriving is connected to how we are in community with one another in our solidarity, in our comfort, in our struggle of how we're like, yeah, no, we got to encourage one another. We got to be in it with each other. We are not in isolation. And so Paul is inviting us in to a different way of thinking, of understanding, of living a life that is thriving. Continuing on, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 8 through 9. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be unaware of the troubles that we went through in Asia. We were weighed down with a load of suffering that was so far beyond our strength that we were afraid we might not survive. It certainly seemed to us as if we had gotten the death penalty. This was so that we would have confidence in God who raises the dead instead of ourselves. Psalm 98.4 Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth, be happy, rejoice out loud, sing praises. Paul is getting real. He's not painting a picture that... You know what? Life is going to be perfect if we follow God, if we follow Christ. All is going to be well. All the suffering is going to go out the door. No, he says we were weighed down with a load of suffering that was so far beyond our strength that we were afraid we might not survive. So here Paul is saying, listen, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the future, and we may find ourselves in circumstances that may end in death, and yet... Yet there is something more here. There is something more. 
This was so that we would have confidence in God who raises the dead instead of ourselves. That the things that they were living, the way Paul was living, the way he was encouraging the community to live and to love, the way he was encouraging them to thrive would actually outlive them, would go beyond their lifespan. That thriving goes far beyond ourselves. And here's a way to think about it. Many of you know that my grandmother was a reading teacher, and she was passionate. She was gifted in that arena. In fact, one could easily say she thrived as a reading teacher. She, was, she loved it, and she loved helping other people be able to do it. That was her area. She helped me at a very young age. She gave me that passion for reading as she gave so many others. When others were told, they can't do it. I don't know if they'll ever do it. It's impossible. She could do it because she thrived as a reading teacher. But my grandmother struggled in life in many other ways. She did not thrive in other ways. And if she were alive today, she'd be probably kind of horrified and a little bit mad at me that I said that. But she thrived as a reading teacher. And because she thrived, she gave it to others. She passed on this this sense that there was something more possible in this. She was able to pass on this love so that it lives beyond her lifespan. It lives in me and everyone else she taught. And it lives on into the next generation, kind of like a ripple in the pond. And Paul here is trying to get us to understand that yes, there is suffering and there is pain, but there is this way to thrive even in the midst of that. And it's not just impacting ourselves, but it begins to go out and impact so many others. That when we begin to thrive in God, when we allow ourselves to thrive in every aspect of our lives, it begins to ripple out even beyond our lifespans. Continuing on in 2 Corinthians 1, 10 through 11. God rescued us from a terrible death and he will rescue us. We have set our hope on him that he will rescue us again. Since you are helping with your prayer for us. Then many people can thank God on our behalf for the gift that was given to us through the prayers of many people. Psalm 98, 5 through 6. Sing your praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of music, with trumpets and a horn blast. Shout triumphantly before the Lord, the King. So Paul here is getting like real. God rescued us from a terrible death and he will rescue us. We have set our hope on him that he will rescue us again since you are helping with your prayer for us. So Paul is lifting up how the prayers, the conversations that the community had concerning Paul, saying, God, we need you to help Paul, we need you to be with Paul, we need you to help Paul get through this, that those gave him strength, that those prayers saw him through. But we also need to understand that he's moving us even beyond that. 
beyond a prayer of, God help me. Because what we have to know about Paul is, we have to know that Paul died a fairly horrific death. He was beheaded in the mid-60s, probably during Nero's persecution. And so here we've got Paul. Is he being like ridiculously optimistic? He's not being real. Or is something else happening? Is he trying to give us yet another sense of what's going on? When he says, God rescued us from a terrible death and he will rescue us. We have set our hope on him that he will rescue us again since you are helping with your prayer for us. Paul is trying to say, now wait a minute, we got to move beyond this hope of just optimism that everything's going to work out okay because everything's probably not going to work out okay. Maybe he realized that he probably wasn't going to die easily. Maybe he had optimism that he would, that he wouldn't get caught up and be imprisoned. But he already has faced persecution. And so his hope here, his hope in in this midst of trials and tribulations, in the midst of fearing things, his hope begins to be saying yes to God. Saying yes to a future with God. Doesn't know how it's going to work out, but saying yes, God is still working in this world. God will not quit us. God will bring good out of this situation, and I am going to be a part of it no matter what, no matter if we face a horrific death or not. That every step I'm going to take today, every step in this world is going to be towards of saying yes to where is God bringing the good out of the situation? To where is God bringing us into a different future? One that is filled with more love, with more care, with more compassion. Paul is saying yes. And so Paul is giving us a sense that, that part of sustainable hope is being able to say yes. We don't know how it's actually going to work out. We don't know if it's going to happen in our lifespans or not. Because... That's not what it's about. It's about saying yes every step of the way that God is bringing good out of whatever situation, and we're going to participate in it as a community. That we're going to use our gifts in the ways that we have been given to navigate this world that are connected to God. We're going to use those gifts and say, nope, we can thrive right here, right where we are. We can thrive. We can go beyond survival to thriving in whatever context we have, are found, finding ourselves in, because we have a hope that says yes to the future, that God will bring good out of no matter if we see it long-term or not. No matter where our lifespan ends. Because we know that when we are thriving and we are sharing it with others, it is like ripples in a pond going out and goes far beyond our individual lives. And so Paul is inviting, pulling us in. He's being real about the situation. He's being real about the suffering. He's being real about the pain and the fears that he has. And he's saying, nope, but I'm going to keep saying yes to God. I'm going to keep saying yes to a future 
where God is bringing good out of the situation. I'm going to say yes to participating in that. Continuing on, finishing up with 2 Corinthians 1, 12 through 14. We have conducted ourselves with godly sincerity and pure motives in the world, and especially toward you. This is why we are confident and our conscience confirms this. We didn't act with human wisdom, but we relied on the grace of God. We don't write anything to you except what you can read and also understand. I hope that you will understand totally since you have already understood us partly. Understood that in the day of our Lord Jesus, we will make you proud as you will also make us proud. Psalm 98, 8 through 9. Let all the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains rejoice out loud all together before the Lord because he is coming to establish justice on the earth. He will establish justice in the world rightly. He will establish justice among all people fairly. Paul is like, we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep saying yes. We're going to have that sustainable hope, that saying yes to God, that God is not going to quit us. God is going to bring good out of whatever situation we find ourselves in. And then he goes further. We didn't act with human wisdom, but we relied upon the grace of God. Paul is like, okay, for us to be able to access this hope, for us to be able to thrive in the context that we find ourselves, to be able to go forward in community, we're going to have to center ourselves, our identity, our foundation upon the grace of God. And the grace of God is this great mashup of mercy and forgiveness, of love and compassion, of comfort, of, say, of God saying, I choose you and not because of anything that you did. You are worthy and love because you are mine and that is transformative grace grace is not only something we receive but it begins to transform how we understand ourselves and others it begins to transform how we move into this world in ways we could have never imagined before and so this grace becomes the foundation of a life that is thriving in the context we find ourselves. This grace becomes the foundation of going, nope, I got sustainable hope because God hasn't quit yet. God will never quit. Paul is giving us and inviting us into this place where thriving, thriving doesn't just mean sitting on cloud nine, but instead thriving is available no matter the events and our context. Thriving is something that we can engage in with those around us. Thriving says we will not stop. We will look, we will act towards a future where we know God is bringing the good out of it. We are going to participate in that. Paul is really talking to us about something that the the modern theologian Jürgen Moltmann gives us when he says, we experience the power of hope when we have to fight against the apathy of the soul. Even in the future of humanity and the earth looks dark, to hope means to live and survive and to work and fight for the life of creation. 
Paul's like, no, we're going to keep going no matter what we find ourselves in. And it's a struggle and we need to be real about that. We need to let you all in to be supportive and stand in solidarity. We're going to be real about that, but we're still going to keep doing good. We're still going to keep moving forward. We're not going to let it take us down because God doesn't quit us. And we are invited in to a life that says we can thrive because we have built it upon grace and we keep reaching for and living into a sustainable hope. And so as we're thinking about these passages of Scripture, as we're hearing the celebration side of the psalm, as we apply it to how we live and how we're invited, how we are comforted, how we are given compassion and are asked to be in solidarity with one another to do the same, may we begin to question how we can thrive exactly where we find ourselves, move beyond that surviving. May we question how we can continue to access that sustainable hope that keeps saying yes to God, keeps going, yep, nope, we're going to keep bringing good out of the situation that we find ourselves in. And may we know that that grace that Paul has placed his entire life upon, that grace of God that is realized in Christ can be the foundation of all of our lives, can be the foundation of our thriving and our hope. Amen.